0: Wembley heartache but heads held high here in the Wise Men Say studio this evening we'll talk about the upcoming Hull game with Matt from the Amber Nectar a bit later and whether or not Sunderland now need to start worrying about our league form we'll start with the Man City game though and joining myself Stephen Goldsmith and Gareth Barker here in the studio are two familiar names Tom Lynn former editor of the Wayside Raw contributor to a Love Supreme and the Legion of Light still smiling in defeat Tom
2: yeah yeah I think we played very well um you know, at the end of the day, I think my philosophy was as long as I went down and gave them a good game and didn't humiliate ourselves. I was, you know, I was, I was quite happy. Obviously, like everyone, I would have preferred us to win, and I, you know, I, I thought that uh, the chance was there when Berini went through at one nil, but uh, it wasn't to be. But uh, good performance, very Certainly pleased
0: it was. And Gary Foster from the Shaders Gazette is here also. Gary, how's the lecturing going? Still doing that?
3: Yeah, yeah, I've been there this morning. So.
0: Said you before. I don't think you've got the vocal capacity to talk out loud and do lectures. <laughs> I don't think it's your forte at all.
3: Yeah, I do. I do like the sound of my own voice for this <laughs> year.
0: Right. Uh, it was tempting to start with some audio and stuff from from the game. You know, a little montage or something. But we didn't want to go down the route. The narrative of being plucky losers, because let's be honest, we we were more than that. Um, and I think starting Gareth. At half time, the match had followed the narrative of what we've seen at the stadium like the, the last four seasons. Beat them consecutively, one nil, obviously, mm-hmm. and we, we 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 were replicating that really. Smothered their attack, stopped rear from dictating play, and we looked good on the counter attack. And I think at half time was the first time throughout this cup competition I actually thought we we're going to win this. I didn't. <laughs> did you not? No, no, I, was I did. For the first time, I had a few pints, mind. I didn't want to get carried away. I was um,
4: trying to keep my head and just, you know, try, and try and not. A negative. Yeah, try not. Well, <laughs> not negative, but I just didn't want to get my hopes up, you know, uh, because of how good Man City could be if they if they did turn it on or produce a quality that they can which happened. So, but there's no disgrace in the, you know, the way they played. Like you, you talked about the last four performances, where we beat them one nil at home. We were just talking before how that was probably better that performance would be better than all all four of those so it's just one of those things where they were undone by two moments of brilliance
0: Thinking about those consecutive 1-0 wins Tom at the Stadium of Light I mean we were just saying before the mics come on now that the only thing that stopped Man City from getting any, anything out of those games was the fact that none of their world class individuals pulled something out of the bag on the day and of course that happened against us twice on Sunday that was a difference wasn't it?
2: Yeah, I think um, you know a couple of those one-nil uh, wins. Um, probably the f- the first two. I think the one where Darren Bent scored the penalty in the last sort of minutes and and what have you. Um, you know, we a lot of it were backs to the wall to an extent. But I thought this season we played quite well against them. We had long periods in the game where we dominated, and I think Poirier's game plan um, on Sunday was was spot on because although they won three-one, which suggests a sort of comfortable scoreline, I think it. Uh, it was actually, you know, a, a lot closer. I think Stephen Fletcher will, will have nightmares about that sort of miscontrol near the end because that could have put us back in. Obviously, they went straight up the other end and scored. I, I thought it was a very good all-round performance, and I thought, although you know, we talk about their world-class players, I thought that, that on the day, um, for the time he was on the pitch, Catamore was the best player on the pitch.
0: I think. Uh, would anybody disagree with that? No. No. <laughs> did, did you start to believe? <laughs> did you start to believe Gary very briefly? very frank there
3: <laughs> um, it, it, it's a bit difficult cause I was I was in the press box so I was trying to be as professional as possible which is unlike me but I was actually being as professional as possible and the amount of journalists who who know, who I follow and who I support who came up to me at half time and was sort of like punching the air and tapping me on the shoulder and I'm just st- <laughs> staring straight forward trying not to get carried away it was unbelievable but no I, I totally agree with Tom I thought
0: Catamore was immense it was, has he sort of answered his critics in the best possible way he almost used this as a platform to showcase his ability because anybody from outside of Sunderland would probably thought we were a little bit deluded in our defence with him the way we've constantly said you know this lad can't play football he isn't just what you say on match of the day so it was good that he could do that on the big stage wasn't it
3: yeah but I think he's got to prove it to people outside I think he's got to prove it to himself I think he's got to prove it to, to some Sunderland fans Um the trouble lee's got is when the game's not going our way he sometimes tries to do a little bit too much and, and either loses the ball or puts that tackle in that he really shouldn't um if he can play like he did on you know if he can play like he did on sunday and cut the rest of it out then you know i can't
0: say breck could get him back in if if he plays like that every week well it's interesting that, tom isn't it because Catamore's now played twice since Liam brodcourt came two-man-of-the-matches, we couldn't have asked for a better response from him, could we?
2: No, I, I think Catamol in some ways is probably in last chance alone, as far as his son career goes, I think you know his last indiscretion, I think Poirier's probably had him to one side and said, look, we all know you're a decent footballer, but you, you, we just can't afford to like go into games never knowing whether you're going to stay on the pitch or whether you're going to get booked and, and, and spend sort of, I remember the Arsenal game last season he got booked after about three or four minutes, so he's spending 85 minutes where part of his effectiveness has gone, Um and I think Catamol, you know, he'd be looking around at people when, when we signed Bridcut. Uh, people just automatically assumed he would, he would come into the side, which obviously he did at Newcastle and he played very well. But if that's, you know, if it's going to be one or the other for that role, um, then I think Catamol should have the
0: shirt at the moment. But I also. Especially th- you, you when you're looking for experience in a relegation battle as well, and he's been there, mm-hmm. uh, done that.
2: Yeah, a- absolutely. But I also think there's, there's, there's still scope for him to, to play in front of Bridcut. Bridcut could still play in that role in front of the back four. And Cuttamore would still be, you know, in the middle of your midfield, and that would give you two sort of pretty mm. hard players, as they used to call them in the old days. You know, two sort of like people who can get the foot on the ball and don't take any nonsense off who they're playing against, and don't have a lot of respect, like healthy respect for for opponents. Um, I, I think we need Cuttamore, you know, for the rest of the season to, to come up with the same sort of standards as he played on
0: Sunday. And if he does, it'll be a massive difference. Mm, well, I'm going to pick your brains about that later when we get to the whole game, Gareth. At the live pod, um I did the fact Poyet might have a specific system to play now. I probably worded that badly and everybody sort of started mocking me and saying of course he's gonna have something set up. I think what I was driving at was we were trying to predict the team, second guess a team, we thought it was gonna be Larson or Callback. And my point then was we I wouldn't be surprised because he's changed things that much if he threw us all with a totally different system and he did that, didn't he?
4: Yeah. Um funnily enough, uh De Canio deployed callback as like a left winger, last well a left midfielder last season, um, he did it a number of times, I think he did it two or three times, um, and he got quite a bit of stick for it I remember a couple of ex-players actually on Twitter sort of having a right go. I think it was Don Hutchison and uh, Michael Gray were quite vocal against the idea that they'd, he'd played callback there and then you know <laughs> uh, Poyet did it at the weekend and got loaded as some sort of technical genius, Um so I
0: suppose it depends who you playing against and it does, but the
4: the idea is the same it you know you you've got somebody there who's gonna you know offer you some defensive cover against the threat of Zabaleta in, in this case like you were saying it depends on the opposition, but also they've got you've got someone to hold in there if if Alonso wants to go and overlap we even know how important the fullbacks are in in Poet's, in Poyet's style of play, so you know it was a clever idea um one of was armchair pundits tonight stephen but uh, these are, you know, was it Larson? Was it going to be Colbat And it was both of them. So, And the, and they both played really well, along with, again, I'd echo thoughts on Catamull. I didn't get my chance to uh, go on about how brilliant he was. Well, so there's
0: always room for, for your opinion well, on Lake Well,
4: no, I just think it's, it's interesting that we talk about if you could cut this minor indiscretion out and, and not do this. Is a footballer, I just think there's not really many more consistent than him for something when he plays. I, I think he gives you so much in the game. In every game he plays, yes, he'll make occasional mistakes, but it doesn't phase him unless he's can make some mistakes we get them sent off, which you know has happened probably too often in the distant past, but maybe doesn't happen as much now, currently, because he hasn't been. He's only been sent off once really recently, hasn't he? So he
0: needs a run on the side, doesn't he? Yeah, it?
4: but it was interesting. I was listening to the um, the football ramble um, cup final special, and uh, there was a guy on there, Luke Moore, who was saying about the First time he'd seen him because you know you've seen about. Is not that player on match of the day. Yeah, you've got to see him in the flesh. And he was saying it's the first time you've seen well, him. Exactly, that's what he was, was saying. He's, you yeah, you know he's, you know he's better than he's better than you think. He's and a
0: catamole convert. I,
3: th- I think the one thing for me as well, going back to catamole during the game on uh, Sunday, um, when when City got a corner and when, when City had an attack and it and it broke down, the way he went round. Even the likes he was going around, Ging up the likes of John O'Shea and Wes Brown, and he, and he made a point of going around the box and sort of, winding yeah. not so much wine, but you know what I mean, ging yeah. people up and really giving them the come on. And it was really great leadership qualities. Mm. I thought off the ball as, as well as how as well he did on it.
2: Yeah, that's why I don't think there's any harm in in, in potentially you know if the system can be adopted for like him and Bridcutt to play in the same team because I mean Bridcutt did that at Newcastle in his first game. He was going around. You know, cajoling the senior pros, and I think Cattermole just does it naturally. I mean, you know, he has come through a system at Middlesbrough, one of the you know one of the best youth systems in the country for for quite a while. Particularly the era he was there um, under Dave Parnaby, and he's played for England at like every level, apart from full level. And to be honest, if he if he could get somewhere near the the form he was at the other, you know, last Sunday on a regular basis, it isn't after season England play. But as long mm. as he's got to cut the ill-discipline out, I think that's just been the one thing that sort of really let him
4: down. You I know? think that it's it's funny the ill discipline thing, isn't it? And it's it's something that levels against him, and it's always that mm. thing, his reputation goes before him and all mm. that. But there's other certain players, you know, like you look at John Terry who, you know, it seems everybody's you know, should get John Terry back but go, you know, on bent knees to try and get him back mm. in the England squad for the World Cup and yeah. he's had indiscretions and done stuff.
2: Yeah. But I'm not. I'm. Most you know, of his were off the pitch. I know, but but yeah. still, it's a you know, it's I a delicate it. scenario with Catlamore, I think, as well, because uh, you know a lot of the time the crowd are almost sort of you know th- they want him to, to be this aggressive footballer that you sort know of enforcer, same, if you're, you're like, you're, yeah. yeah, but you you just need him just to hold back from the you know the the, the bits where he sort of runs forty yards to get involved mm. with something. I think he does his frustration. It's a bit like kids in the schoolyard when you're young, or you you you're playing a. A game where everybody chases the ball, and if somebody's taking the mickey, then somebody'll come out of nowhere and hammer him <laughs> and cut him a bit like that at pro level. But I thought, you know, there's this keep going back. Last Sunday was the best I'd seen him play for Sunday, League; was magnificent. But you talk about, like you were
4: saying, about you know, he's, he's not going to get in the England squad, I mean, that's that's not going to happen. But yeah. when you look at defensive midfielders in the Premier League, English defensive midfielders, like you know, there's you're struggling, I think, uh, really, I, I don't think. There's many better or worse than Catemore.
0: Well, hopefully Sunday was the start of him to sh- uh, shake that stigma off, perhaps. But I think it was telling that there wasn't a midfielder who... who came. I mean, there wasn't anybody in the side who, who had a bad game, I would say, but especially the midfielders were great when the callback and Larson.
4: Yeah, but just disciplined, you know. Um, it, like like you were saying, like Catemore was cajoling the back four and they just did everything they needed to do and, and more Key was very good um, and heard, it's funny because you, you've heard Key some people saying Key should have been man of the match some people saying Colback should have been man yeah. of the match Cattenham yeah. should have been Barini should that's have
0: it. been yeah. it says it all doesn't it yeah. but Tom um, I mean you and me have, have both been sort of big critics of Serb Larson in the past but I think one thing that's fair to say is that these are the kind of games he does tend to excel in because it's he start, he seems to struggle when we when you know when we rely on him to maybe dictate play from the midfield. That's what we've questioned he can do before. It was never really, you know, a doubt in my mind that he that he would play well in a game where he has to do that dirty stuff off the ball because he's always been all right at that, hasn't he?
2: Yeah, I mean, he's, like we said before, he's he's got pedigree. He's got you know best part of eighty caps for Sweden. They were a decent international side, and you know, he started his career in in this country at Arsenal. I just think he lacks consistency at times. I think, ironically, he's, some of his best games over the last couple of years have, have been in games against Man City and against Newcastle. Um, and sometimes, to me, he appears as though he's one of these players who needs to be dropped and then brought back. But the, the problem is you need more than one or two good games in succession. Colback can be a little bit like that as well. You know, I, mean, I, I think he struggled against Hull the other week, although we had someone sent off. And then against Arsenal, he was almost non-existent. So you're thinking... You know, there's almost a case if he's going to make changes for the Capital Cup final against Man City that he maybe should have been one of the ones left out. Um, but you know, Poyet played him key as well. Was another one who would struggled the last couple of games, and they all they all came in and all all did a, did a job. And I think this is something else we've touched on before as well. The difference between like good footballers and obviously every anybody who plays at Premiership level is good. It's daft to see otherwise. You know, they've, they've been spotted through the years and sort of deemed to be good enough. But I think. Uh, they need to be able to do it on a week in, week out basis within reason. You know that. That's why the likes of you know all, all the the great players the last few years, midfield players. Are, you know, Callback gets compared to Schools quite a bit. Schools used to be an eight out of ten player every week, and sometimes he was nine and ten. Um, I think Callback once he gets a bit of consistency to his game, you know, he'll he'll give us something as well.
0: Talking about players getting consistency. In the game, and we're talking about players getting a, a run in the side, Fabio Berrini, Gary, has been getting better and better and better and better. Now, we've all thought for a while he might get his chance to play up front, down the middle. We didn't think that Poyet would possibly try at Wembley, but he did, and he looks a lot better there, doesn't he?
3: He does, and I'm. It's not not very often I get the chance to say this, so I'm going to do it. I told you so. And <laughs> uh, our, our Wembley out before before the game, uh, my column was all about how Barini should lead the line and how
0: we should start from It's not very
3: often I get one right.
0: But I was, was going to say, say last ta- last time you and you were slagging off Adam Johnson, and then he went on a uh, yeah. that remarkable run <laughs> <laughs> run of form, like, didn't uh, he? Like I said, it's not often I get one <laughs> right. But he he was a danger, Gareth, wasn't he? Um, I mean, I don't. I know that the ball from John Spreys goal was a little bit hopeful, but it was it was knocked into space, and th- those are the kinds of goals you say Michael mm. Owen score regularly. Yeah,
4: um, that that's you know you make it you made it into a chance, didn't he? By you know, making the the centre halves' of life difficult. Um, I mean, Barini down the middle wasn't something I was massively against, but my major concern was: well, are you going to take something away from that wide position? is movement. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, obviously not in on, on at the weekend, and he played second afternoon through the middle against Arsenal. Got his chance there, so I mean he's worked hard for his chance. He deserved, and he got it on the big occasion. We said in the live pod about Fields Barini's play for the big occasion. Scored against Newcastle twice, uh, Manchester United. Um, he scored against uh, Chelsea in the, in the cup run. So yeah, and he he showed again. I mean, talking about the two City goals, which were you know world class strikes I thought the first one was a world class finish I mean it looked like I was quite low down I was in the lower bowl, um at the other corner obviously mm. and when he scored it just looked like he got through one on one and he slotted it in the corner and then when you saw it in the replay at half time it was like it's fantastic. what a finish yeah. that is because he only had he had to bend it round I mean you don't see many players go through and finish with the outside the foot they usually go with the instep mm. And he, you know, what a goal that was! I, well, I mean, like when that.
0: was the last time you had a centre forward who you would, you would think would get on the end of a, a <coughs> hopeful ball like that and do something? It was. With com- it. It's it was been a while. Hasn't it was it? It? just
4: a confident, you know, confident goal. It was. He got in, you know, made the chance, and then when he, you know, didn't uh, need any invitation, did he? And what a, what a finish! It's um,
3: just, a, it's just a shame the second one was against company because. <laughs> I think if it had been Dimakellis he would have given up. He should have run He the line chance of the, I went to the toilet.
4: He should have run the line of the ball. I think uh, that he yeah. took it Yeah. down the inside and he should have maybe run the line of the got his body in front of the ball. Yeah, but i block co- company off. To be
3: fair to company, he never never gave up. And no, he didn't. T- time the title perfectly. I think if it being Dimakellis he would have mm. given up or would have gotten a penalty. He
4: was offside as well, Berenia. Yeah, he was, yeah. yeah. So people, they'd stop people more. I, mean, I wouldn't mind minded if we'd gone two up and people no, no. well. He was offside. <laughs> but never mind, I'll
2: take it. Is yeah.
0: there any criticism labelled at any of the players anywhere? Possibly, possibly more long range shots because the keeper didn't look comfortable. A couple he had to deal with.
2: Yeah, I think overall in the game, there's that, that maybe one criticism that we didn't we didn't sort of get a lot of shots on target. Um, we we competed well, and I thought in the first half in particular, we did look the better team. You know, in, in everything we did. But uh, I think at some stage uh, we need, uh, you know, players to be sort of winning with more goals. It's something that's held us back all season. I think that's been the, the you know the door argument. Even when he played well recently against Stoke and Newcastle, the bottom line is he isn't scoring goals. And there comes a point where the manager's got to make a decision. Obviously, after the Arson game where he didn't, you know, he didn't score a goal and didn't play very well, I think he's he's come up with a different system. But now we can't just rely on Barini, You know, we need a few other players to be to be wailing with a few goals. I mean, Stephen Fletcher just unfortunately looks a pale shadow of himself at the moment. I don't know what's the matter with him. Um, the Obviously, the other person who you, you may think might come into the plans is um, Scott Go. Uh, I thought he looked reasonable in patches in his, in his debut, and he's got decent pedigree. Uh, and I've, I've just got this thing, I think I said a few weeks ago, of them maybe being our... You know, on a lesser level, I was sort of Suarez and Sturridge—you know, quick, quick mobile players who mm-hmm. can play in tandem with each other across the across the back line—and like we said when we played Hull the other week, you saw a pretty average player in Shane Long. I mean, he gives everything, but the way he worked our back four was fantastic, and it, I think that's what Barini did on on Sunday. You know, but with somebody else there as well who can do a similar thing in, in different areas of the pitch, I think it would be a different team again. But interesting comparison the Suarez and Suarez and
4: Sturridge thing because when we go back to that Southampton Cup game they, they kind of did play in a like Scott Rowan He kind of did play in a sort of strange shape didn't they it obviously gar- Gardner was, was almost like a false number nine the middle and then like those two kind of was st- like a staggered front two it was unusual it's just um, one of
0: many formations we've seen yeah. it's, it's just it's a frustrating thing we can't pull away from where we are on the table because we've never seen a manage with so much adaptability really have yeah. we yeah. No.
3: I, I, I'm with with Tom again we need Sunderland need you know need to find a 10-12 and I know the top teams you want a 20-goal man but the situation Sunderland at the minute need
0: a 10-12 and if they
3: can get that out of what they've got then I think they'll be fine I think they'll they'll pull away
0: Well I think one silver line is that Stephen Fletcher has done it before now I know we, we we always question whether he can do it in this system but as Gary's just said, you've you've got to work with what you've got now. We've got to remember we've got to we've got to work on the assumption that Barini's gonna not gonna be here next season as well. So even more so you feel he's gotta you know whether he cashes in on out the door's another thing, but you feel like he's gotta work with Stephen Fletcher, don't you? Definitely. But
4: like you know, he's had the problem with Fletcher I think is just I I don't know what else is going on, like Tom says not totally sure, but he's obviously not fit. He's out of form. He's been out he's been unfit and out of form for a year. I thought, you know, I can understand, he brought him on because he's thinking, well, he's a goal-getter. But, like, is he a goal In the last year, is he a goal-getter? Not yeah. not really. He's got two or three. Um, I don't know. Um, I might have given Scott Wogel, you know, just thought, like, because yeah. you've seen the kind of goals he's scored, yeah. and I'll he looks guess. like the kind of player who might just yeah. have, a, you know, hit one from 25 yards yeah. sweetly, and, uh, you know, and, and score you just don't know. And he yeah. might have given you lots you felt as though in that game the way we were playing maybe at that stage we might have needed something special to get you back into it. and I don't think Fletcher's the kind of person player who's going to pull you on out of the bag
2: Yeah, I think Scott goes well he's one of those players low, low centre of gravity a bit like Kevin Phillips um, who can like attack defenders with a ball and big tall defenders um, like their two central defenders on Sunday you know probably wouldn't have enjoyed playing against them mm. yeah.
3: I think another thing as well is rightly or wrongly we, we tend it tend to go a little bit more aerial when Fletcher's on the pitch and I don't think he's that kind no. of target man. Yep, for some reason the lads who were on the pitch tend to, not completely long ball but do you know, know what I mean, mean? They, they, they tend to put more high balls in than Instin- they would have instinctively done. Instinctively
0: almost. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird because yeah, it's you still like the, the, easy, the easy option almost. But you it? still
4: hear people like around you in the ground saying like oh Fletcher's, you know, we need a target man, Fletcher's a target man. It's like well... Is he? Like, I mean, I don't he's never been, he's been like. He's never been up he comes on like, his own target man. Come, like. You know, he's, he scores all the headed goals because he's good at getting the space in the box and attacking the ball when yeah. it comes in. Well, you are not going to deliver the ball into the box like he wants. I I mean, think
2: if you think of target man, you're talking about p- people like Drogba. You know, that, yeah. that's 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 an archetypal target man who's good on the floor as well. But like, you know, most teams in the Premiership these days they're not playing with an archetypal no. target man. No. They're playing with a lone striker. Um, who can who can play on mm. the floor? If you know if they are any good in the air or whatever, it's fair enough. But I, I agree with you know with, with what everybody's saying really that when Fletcher or Altidore plays, it does alter our system because psychologically, I think when some players are under pressure, they just feel right, I'm going to just lump it up there.
0: And I mean, I mean that could just be teething problems still because Poitier's relatively new, mm-hmm. but f- certainly evident at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, I, I guess
3: think he, the thing is as well. What Altidore? I mean the guy's confidence is shot and that in the moment but the one one or two times where he's had like a telling impact on a game it's been on the floor and it's been sort of out away from you know the touches and that where he's flicked it on and Mm -hmm. stuff like that it hasn't been pumped up top and I know circumstances dictated slightly on Sunday and we were running out of time so maybe get the ball up there a bit quicker but I think if we played it on the deck which is what we do all the time and used on that, we we might have getting a bit more out of them than what we're getting. Yeah, in
4: tight areas, especially that's where he's probably best. Mm-hmm. But it's like you say Thomas, the desperation sometimes. Maybe that's where they might have stumbled across something. Well, with Barini through the middle is because his natural instinct, as a he f- he's a centre forward, mm-hmm. um, his natural instinct is to run, run the yeah. run the line when so when like the goal is a perfect example of that. Johnson's hit an area, and he's run the space and. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's a better outlet. Someone who want is willing to run into the channels and into the corners to 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 receive long balls, rather than someone who's going to have it fired into his chest and head, yeah. with nobody around them. Often, to be fair, and, and
3: and to be fair, the players the players are looking up with the ball at the feet, best will in the world. They're not going to they're not going to pump or they shouldn't mm. pump a high ball over the top for Berenity to chase. whereas they might see Fletcher, mm. and I don't think oh, I'll stick it on his head. He'll get this whereas Barini like you say you've got to hit the channels because yeah. he's not going to win an aerial yeah. battle he, he did, he does
4: compete though doesn't yeah. he which, which is sometimes it's been some of my criticism of Fletcher because sometimes I feel as though that Fletcher doesn't really want to get want to get yeah. involved with the centre halves I just think sometimes as mm. you're playing up front you your own you've got to make the life a bit difficult like I remember yeah. when he when he played did, against Man City and he was up against Di Michaelis and yeah. he didn't didn't make life difficult for him. I mean, yeah. mm. that's what we said about Shane Loving Long his the other week. You
2: know? <laughs> <laughs> like Shane Long the other week, I keep using him as an example, but he, he did, he, he sort of like worked so well. And even if he's not playing well, he's one of those players who, who's nuisance value. You know, mm-hmm. he'll always give the, the rest of the team something to to sort of play for. Mm. I mean,
4: Fletcher, I think, would be an ideal fit for Hull. I think he'd be the perfect player for Hull. I mean, the amount of balls that El Muhammadi puts over. Yeah. And I think if you put Long and you and if you had Long and Fletcher up front, like you're saying, mm-hmm. I think Fletcher would score a lot of goals at Hull. But yeah. I just don't think he's gonna score a lot of goals at Sunderland in this no. system.
0: It used to be the normal way didn't it for a centre forward to test a centre half early in the game by turning and just running at them. Yeah. And then if they lost the ball that's fine. You 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 testing mm. early. You testing mm. the center half early. But things are a lot more cautious mm. now, aren't they? It seems mm. to be. You we don't not, see it a lot. We don't Certainly don't, not from Fletcher. You're not going to get that.
4: We're not a t- team who's going to play with the because we play a slow build up as well. We're not going to be getting in behind one on ones very often. I don't think. Like against Premier League teams, anyway. If we you do really It's all, it's all about the timing of the runs, isn't it? Because yeah. we've said a
0: lot about Barini, and again, he's head and shoulders above the other center forwards. An example that comes into my head. Was the league game at home at Southampton when Johnson put the ball in and Fletcher beat the, uh, Barini beat the offside trap? Yeah. Almost like, well, can you remember Kilbarns passed to Phillips against Newcastle, the equaliser at the time, the 2 2. Yeah. Similar to that in a way. And Barini again, yeah. he's the best at that as well, isn't he? He's gamb- well, a gambler, yeah. isn't he?
3: It's, it's strange, but I think it's a weird thing to say because we scored and it was a great move, but I think if Barini hadn't made that run, I think. I think Poirier would have been on Johnson's back for hitting that ball because we don't hit them mm. speculative balls it's all about keeping possession keeping possession keeping, mm. possession, keeping possession keeping possession there's a jink of a go there's, there's
0: a little you little need to take on. a little bit of a chance Haven't said that though against if
4: it. you look at the one, the home game it was all in a way it was almost identical the way it happened it was Brown who knocked it mm. and Bardsley sort of shrugged off Milner didn't he and then mm. he got in and stuck yeah. it in it was point, similar similar yeah. So maybe that's something that to t- yeah, yeah. Hit
0: the ball down the channel. Get,
4: just get it in, work it across. But that's the thing with with and the. I mean, to be fair, we we got results under Bruce. Got results under O'Neill. It was a bit different, but that if the I think they've just got Man City worked out. Didn't play against them. Did mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you know that? That I think that against Man City it is. It's get, don't get drawn towards the ball. I know some people were like criticising Key for not closing down mm. Torre but I think mm. that's that's the last. Don't go closing Torre down yeah. forty yards from goal. You want to make it them make it difficult for them to play on the edge of your box because
2: they're looking to slip it in behind and whatnot. So. Yeah, yeah. I think it's like it, it, you know we've got this this thing how we've played so well recently against like, the likes of Chelsea twice league and cup. Um, Man United beat Everton away, et cetera, et cetera, Yet, you know, we got beat off Villa at home in an absolutely awful game. The Norwich nil nil draws in an awful game. Um, we got beat off Hull. I know, you know, we had the sending off, but we still didn't play very well. Um, we still had ten men on the pitch, and sometimes ten men there's not like a lot of difference. So I think it is something, not not with all of them, but with a few of them. I think there's something in the heads. They know when they play the best sides. I'm going to really have to get my finger out here, or we're going to get you know get tanked, sort of thing. I think.
0: Hopefully, the, th- the overwhelming threat of relegation bring, <coughs> brings that out no. th- in some of these important games. Okay, right, we're going to move on now. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about the whole game sp- specifically. We're going to speak to Matt from the Amber Nectar. <coughs> OK, now we're going to talk about the whole game specifically. We've got Matt Rudd on the line from Amber Nectar. We'll get to him in a moment. I think we want to start straight away, boys, with Josie Altidore um, and where he stands. Chris Young and written an article a day saying, you know, what does the future hold for him now? I know we said it again before the mics uh, come on. We're going to have to stop doing this. It's not very listener-friendly, is it? We'll have all the best debates and chat before the mics come on. But um, question, a lot of people are questioning now, Tom. Is there a place for him? Is there a flip side of this where Gus Poyet has used this possibly as his last possible motivational tactic? Exclude him altogether from the squad at the weekend, play him on Sunday and say, OK, this is last chance saloon. This is the last chance saloon of all last chance saloons almost.
2: Yeah, I think that's possibly what has happened. Um, but conversely, it's a, it's a dangerous game to play because if he has to ask Altidore to come back in and do a job... Um, you, you don't know what's going through the player's head. I think all it does, and so
0: any player who's got anything yeah. about them should use this as motivation.
2: Oh, I, 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 absolutely, um, but you, you just don't know his mindset at the moment because you know the, all the stuff that goes on around football these days, sort of message boards and phone ins. He, he, he won't be, uh, you know, he won't be deaf to what's being said about him, and whether his confidence is still there to to, to do a job for Sonnen I, I, I don't really know. I mean, there has been the odd game where he's. He sort of gives everything, and he can be quite effective as a as a target man. But the bottom line is, he just doesn't sc- hasn't scored goals, and doesn't look like he'll score goals. And I, th- I honestly think, no matter what happens, he will definitely leave Sunderland in the close season.
0: I would, yeah, I, I think that's look probable. Gary. Where are we, I think there's difference of opinion in this room about Aladon Sunday because I think he'll start on Sunday. Uh, I know you guys were saying to me earlier you think you'll stick with Berini and try things out that way is that right?
3: I, I honestly hope that uh, Josie doesn't start um, for no other reason I think the lads' confidence is
0: shot um, I think you might but again, go on, so, Sorry, but just going back to what I mentioned earlier on about Cup games being almost like a free pass you know, I th- would, would Poyet sort of think, okay I can get away with giving him one more chance in the Cup Yeah, but I,
3: I, I honestly think that um, Altidore won't like it's a free shot do you know what I mean if he's coming back in he thinks it's last chance to learn he's coming back in to play against a team that he didn't score for or hardly scored for when he was there it just puts so much pressure on the lad and I think he'd be trying far too hard and I don't think it'll work so I'm hoping Barini gets the nod, to be honest you
0: think it's <coughs> Barini Gareth down the middle
4: I would have thought so I'd hope so as well I think he it would be silly. Scott Gould possibly were, coming in
0: possibly, I think Scott Hall
4: could come in um, in a, obviously more, you'd, you'd probably see a more conventional lineup with the um, the four three three four two three one. So that obviously that you wouldn't see Corback playing that unusual position that he played on Sunday, which means that you've got that space to free up on the the left side. So you'd, I'd imagine it would be could possibly be Scott Robirini and maybe Jack Marini if he wants to rest Johnson. And or I would play Johnson. I would play a stronger side possible.
0: OK, we'll bring Matt in now from the Amber Nectar. Matt, uh, we spoke to you briefly and we spoke to, I think it was Phil Buckingham, the first time round from Hull. And each time before the Hull game we've had this lengthy discussion about how we think the game's going to go and both times have been ruined by early sending-offs for Sunderland. Um, there will be changes in the Hull side, especially with Long and Djelovic obviously being cup-tied. What, what, what sort of side do you think he's going to play?
1: Hello again, chaps. I think um, we'll probably go back to four-four-two um, 4 this weekend. We played three at the back uh, last weekend against uh, Newcastle and obviously you know, took a bit of a hammer in a, a defeat that barely anybody noticed because of what went on on the touchline. <laughs> um, but uh, we've got one or two defenders who aren't really cutting the mustard for form at the moment. And I think because there are other options available, uh, both with personnel and formation, I think Steve Bruce will go back to a flat-back four this weekend, it also gives the opportunity, I know you said the games were ruined against Sunderland this season, from our point of view they weren't (laughs) necessarily, (laughs) Um, but certainly at the Stadium of Light you will have noticed, and I think this might have happened even if West Brown had stayed on the pitch, that on our right hand side with your old mate El Mohamedy, Mm. backed up by Liam Rossini, they gave your left hand side a torrid time at the Stadium of Light, especially in the first half, and I think that is what Steve Bruce will be minded do again to play a flat back with senior at right back. El ahead of him. It takes the defensive onus off El which isn't now-
0: I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me.
1: In a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites.
2: For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrowcom slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrowcom
1: slash ACAST. Good at. Uh, whereas Rossini is a defender as well as being able to attack as a fullback. And um, that, that sort of two-on-one situation that we uh, saw a lot at the Stadium of Light, um, depending on your formation and, and your tactics, um, may well happen again. As for the strikers, it'll be Sonny Luco and Yannick Sagbo probably up front, um, with Matty Fryat as the backup uh, on the bench. It could be Aluko and Fryat. Fryat scored a couple in the FA Cup this season. We like him very much, even though he's probably not a Premier League striker, but Bruce seems to like his attitude and the fact that, unlike Josie Altidore, he can actually find the back of the net um, when required. But the hunch is that it'll be a Uh, And Sagbo, both Bruce signings uh, that will play up front. Aluko being the sort of the tricky Roma sort of free roll type centre forward who can, who's very left footed but can drift to either side. And Sagbo is much more of a target man uh, player. And um, those are the two that are likely to play up front. So a flat back four, four in the midfield, and um, and probably Aluko and Sagbo up front.
0: So Huddleston and Livermore central midfield.
1: Yeah, yeah, they're 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 not going to be dropped. They're the fulcrum of the side. Um, both of them haven't had a great time in the last month or so, maybe that's slightly harsh, maybe the last couple of games or so. Um, Livermore was, was quite poor against uh, Newcastle, but a 4-1 defeat at home suggests that not everybody uh, was, was going to be great, were they? Really. So m- maybe it was slightly um, uh, unfair to pick out Livermore, you could pick out any number of players who didn't perform against Newcastle. Um, but no, those those two are set in stone. Um, the, the, uh, I mean, Livermore, uh, Livermore can play. He's on loan from Tottenham, but obviously they're long out of the FA Cup, so he is allowed to play. Um, you can't imagine, particularly in an FA Cup quarter-final situation, when we look relatively secure in the Premier League. Although there's still plenty of points, obviously, that you'd like to, to get. Yet, yeah, but they're gonna he's gonna take out either of those two players for for a game as as huge for Hull City as a whole, for our history, and for our uh, for our season, as this, you've had one trip to Wembley. Um, obviously, you're 90 minutes away from another one, which could then turn into a third one. Uh, we've only ever been to Wembley once in our entire uh, history, and we've only ever been to the FA Cup semi-finals once in our history. Well, so c- um, this is a big old. This is. I know that you've got other fish to fry, and you've got more of a. Uh, a heritage for winning trophies and reaching finals than those but don't underestimate just how huge this game is for Hull City this weekend.
0: Well, I was going to, yeah, I was going to, I was going to come on to that anyway, uh, Matt, because it's an interesting one. I was, I was, I was thinking now with Hull, sort of the, the two signings the signings of Yelovich and Long have sort of revitalised your season in the Premier League, haven't they? Uh, reminds me a lot of when Harry Redknapp signed t- uh, Kitson and Hartson going back in the day yeah. for West Ham, and they signed two centre forwards, and they they rocketed away from the relegation dogfight. Now. I was going to ask what it's what the sort of expectation levels are like for the city in this game. Is it, how big is the game? Also, is there a chance that you could bottle this? Because now the reason I ask that is because Sunderland got the FA Cup quarter final and the play we played a home replay against Everton three years back. Now Everton are, are used to the occasion more than Sunderland are. They brought a lot of fans up that day. They made a big old racket, and the Sunderland players choked on the day. Is that something? Is that something that's in your mind? Because don't forget, Sunderland, we've already we've already been to one cup final this year. We fancy going back to Wembley again. We'll be honest. So our players are a little bit more experienced in that in that respect.
1: Um, oh, there's absolutely no question that, that choking or bottling is, is on the agenda. You, you, there's an adage down here that's, that's, that's one word, and in the modern era it'd have a hashtag next to it, and it's typical city. <laughs> um, we're very, very, very good at snatching defeat from the jaws of victory or snatching failure from the jaws of success. We've uh, we, we've written novels on it. Believe me, we, we've got theses on this sort of thing.
2: <laughs> um,
1: but that said... Um, We've been to, we've, in, in the post-war, well, actually, since 1930, which is the one, which is the one that, that, that actually we were victorious in in a quarter-final and then went out to Arsenal in the semi-finals, we've been to four FA Cup quarter-finals. On no occasion have we been the favourites. On three of those four occasions, we weren't in the top flight. So there was less pressure back then, although there was still a lot of hope that, that something could happen. And indeed, all the games were lost, but at least three of them were lost in controversial Circumstances. We took Chelsea to a replay in 1966 when we should have won the game at Stamford Bridge. We were 2-0 up against Stoke in 71 and lost 3-2. And you might remember Arsenal five years ago, it was the game when Ces Fabregas was eventually acclu- accused of spitting at Brian Horton after the game when he walked on wearing a puffer jacket and a pair of jeans. And a lot of people are still very, very bitter about that night because we were 15 minutes from... From an FA Cup semi-final, so we've got a lot of history of of of, of, um, of not quite achieving in this competition and in these games. But on all of those occasions, we were expected not to win. We're expected to win this. We're at home. We're higher than Sunderland in the table. We've beaten them twice already this season. Sunderland might have a Wembley hangover after being beaten last week. By the time the game comes around, because it's on Sunday, Sunderland could be as, as bad as joint bottom of the Premier League and you're going to have a fixture backlog after this weekend. Everything. All right, all right. Paper, <laughs> yeah, look, no, you see the point I'm making, though? Yeah. Everything on paper points to Hull City success. But because we're Hull City and we don't do success, you can might as well screw the paper up and chuck it in the nearest <laughs> bin. Um I, I, you know, I think we should be able to win it this weekend, despite the absence of Long and Jelovic. But as it's the FA Cup, and, you know, as we've got this ludicrous history of just not achieving anything, we've only ever won one trophy in our entire existence, and that was a Division Three title in 1966. You know, we've got this huge history of nothingness, and it would be just typical of us to chuck it away. But we should be favourites for the game. If you If you look at it logically, we're favourites for the game.
2: Matt, uh, to Tom speaking. Is it right that uh, you struggle struggled to sell all your tickets for this game?
1: Uh, I honestly don't know the answer to that, Tom. I, I got mine quite quickly.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, I know that um, the the north stand allocation that you've got has been sold out and quite right too. You're going to bring a huge number on Sunday. I can't wait for that. Um, always enjoy listening to the Macams away from home. Um, I honestly don't know the answer to that, mate. It may well be true, but you know, there's still three three days to go. Um, the season ticket holders, the majority of them, will certainly have bought up their rights. So it's just a question of, of who else decides to go. The game's on the television. A lot we have because we're a new Premier League club. We have a lot of new, as in nu, new fans who <laughs> have the same attitude to the FA Cup that a lot of people in football now have, which is you know what the hell's that for. Let's not bother. And a lot of people have that attitude in football, both on the uh, in the seats and and. Uh, in the in the changing rooms and in the boardrooms as well, but you know, quarterfinals you know,
0: normally the stage where that starts to change yeah. a little bit, isn't it? It, it?
1: it certainly has done for Steve Bruce, who now wants to win this. Yeah, and I don't think by you know you know our two strikers that scored at, at Middlesbrough when we won in the third round are both now ones at uh, Bradford and others at Barnsley, which suggests what our attitude was at the third round stage from the f- fifth round draw onwards when we re- realised that we had Brighton. To, we had Brighton to play, and suddenly a quarter final was possible. That's when Steve Bruce started to take it seriously, and that's when the regular fans, the ones who've been around, like me who've been around forever, as opposed to just since getting up to the Premier League, also know how important the FA Cup is. And if you've supported the club for 27 years, like me, or longer, you, it's about time we did something in the FA Cup. We've been to the fifth round twice before, one of which reached the sixth round with the Arsenal game, and this is only the third time we've got um, to the fifth round or further since 1989.
2: Matt, can I that's just ask it years ago can I, can I just ask you if it's true as well that your board's released a statement this week about changing the name of the whole Tigers again that's uh, not so much a
1: statement not so much a statement they've written an open letter which is sort of
2: but they're going to do it aren't they yeah
1: the, the, no no that's up to the FA not up to, they've asked to do it the yeah FA they want, they want to do
2: it they against the fans' of course wishes they
1: want, they want they want to do it they've got no justification for it Um, the uh, the open letter that they've taken out a full-page ad in our local paper, the Hull Daily Mail. They've taken out a full-page advert um, and it's this time it's the son of the chairman, Ehab Alan, who's who's watching his inheritance float out of a few windows at the moment with the way his dad's acting. He's written this because uh, I'm guessing for PR reasons because we've all had enough of his bluff old dad who's uh, who's, who's just constantly opening his gob without thinking. Um, But The letter is, it it has no apologies in it for calling Hull City fans hooligans or for telling us that we can die when we want, it's got nothing in it like that, it's yet again telling us why they want to do it, what justification they've got, without any facts or statistics or research to back it up. They won't poll the season ticket holders because they know they'll lose. Um, there's what about four or five weeks to go before the FA make their decision, so this is their latest step. They've also got an annoying habit of doing this in the week leading up to big games. But fortunately, so far, um, they they've not affected the team or the manager. In fact, the team and the manager have actually done very well to stay completely distant from all of this. And hopefully, that will be the case again uh, this weekend. But the letter itself, you should it's online. If you look at this is whole dot uk and, and read it, it's just a piece of sanctimonious. Sort of um, <laughs> self-absorbed, um, self-justifying tosh, really, and nobody with an ounce of intelligence is going to take it seriously. So, so
2: would Sunderland fans be advised not to travel to the game wearing tigers' heads instead of <laughs> horses' heads?
1: Well, you might be accused of being in the wrong end and get thrown out. <laughs> <laughs> so, I just, I just want to make something clear. We like the name The Tigers. It's our nickname. We don't want to be yeah. Tigers we don't want it to be the club name it's our nickname which we love we're proud of we've had all of our existence that's how we want it to stay our name is Whole City AFC and that's how we want that to stay and you ask the majority of season ticket holders and certainly uh, the majority of supporters but certainly the majority of season ticket holders and they will tell you exactly the same thing which is why the odd number of, we've had a we, I'll, you know, and I know you don't like compliments about Newcastle uh, on podcasts like <laughs> nope. this. They they reacted in the right way to us. They applaud because they've got all their problems with that idiot Mike Ashley, and we've got our problems with a with a similar clown in charge of our club. And so there were there was there was mutual applause going on when we were singing our our anti-owner songs, if that makes yeah. sense. But we had a couple of graceless sets of fans. Arsenal away were horrible, um, but they were also thick they didn't realise that chanting Tigers at us wasn't an insult because that's who we are, but it's our nickname. And Chelsea <laughs> fans, when they came to us, tried doing the same. But when you've got Newcastle, who've got problems with their owner, when you've got Cardiff, who've got problems with their owner, um, they understand what's going on and they reacted in the right way. And Sunderland fans, you know, they've always struck me as a, a, a reasonably graceful lot and hopefully they'll say and do the right things when we sing City Till I Die at 19 minutes and four seconds on uh, on Sunday and um, chant our anti alum song. Depends
0: how drunk
4: people are, I think. I wouldn't bother, wouldn't take on board uh, the Newcastle, I think they're full of nutters.
2: David uh, Milo will get a good reception. Yeah,
1: Yeah. Yeah, Is that that the David Myler who who was nutted by Alan Pardew or the David Myler whose leg was nearly broken by Andrea de Sena? Which one are you talking about that'll get the good
3: reception? (laughs) The one that was nutted by Alan Pardew
0: (laughs) He's
1: having a good season, Myler, you know. He's, he's, um, He's a decent player. He's become really, really useful in the last six weeks or so. He's become quite almost sort of indispensable in a very quiet way to our midfield. We're very pleased that he's playing so well at the moment.
4: Score prediction for the weekend.
1: You're asking me. Yeah, um, you can go first we'll if you want.
0: you, yeah.
1: I'll go two-one Hull City, but I would not be surprised if we end up at the Stadium of Light in ten yeah. days' time, which I know you don't really want. But mm, I think I'll a lot of people on. might no, bet no, on that. No. But I'm I'm, I'm not going to bet against my own team two-one Hull City.
0: Mm. Draw. Draw for you. That's the last thing we need, isn't I it? I
4: don't. I wouldn't mind. Really? Definitely. I love it now. Love the cups. <laughs> Bored of the league. I'm sick of it. Bring the cups or all the Cubs
2: <laughs> Bring them on. Tom. Um, two 0 Sunderland. Gary. Ooh,
0: two one like Sunderland.
1: <laughs> I, are any of you, you going to lay a bet on which Sunderland player is going to get sent off first? <laughs> no, no, that won't happen the third
0: time. Looking, I, I'm going to go two one to Sunderland as well. I just, I just feel like I, I was seeing you guys earlier that I think, I think the the team being, being at Wembley and playing so well and getting let down at the final hurdle it's, to, it's an ideal dream scenario to have the have it that your very next game you can get back there with a win he might make some changes but I think the players again who missed out in the final are likely to really use that as extra mo- motivation also I can see how excited Matt is by it and just the way things work in football when you're a football fan and you're that excited and that happy well, about something it falls flat in your face it just does yeah, so that's no, given me that's, that's given, me, Actually, that's given me extra belief now that we're going to go and do it I think
1: we've only ever been to Wembley once before it was for a playoff final in 2008 and if you think I'm excited now you should have seen me on the 24th of <laughs> May 2008 and we won that day um, and uh, you know that was my birthday so every, uh, every birthday is, is a reminder of that great occasion that we had at Wembley um, and I, I, I should add as well that, of course, looking at who's left in the FA Cup, the winners of this quarter final have got a big opportunity, depending on the draw, not only to obviously go to Wembley and be in a semi final, but actually end up in the final. Because obviously, I, I mean, Manchester City I think won't make the same mistake against Wigan for a second year in a row, but I think Everton can go to Arsenal and win. And then, of course, there's the winners of Sheffield United and then get Charlton in the other um, yeah. quarter final. One 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 good win on Sunday and one favourable draw and you're looking at an FA Cup final and for us we've never had one for you you've not had one for uh, 22 years isn't it so mm. you know it, it's, it's you know, we had a semi-final b- about,
0: about it, f- uh, what year it, was it 2004. 2004 10 years since we had an FA Cup semi-final uh,
1: but I'm thinking about the final, no, the because, final of yeah, where, 22, because of yeah. the teams that because of the teams that are left, somebody who wins a quarter final is going to get either Sheffield United or Charlton in the semis, aren't they? Yeah, hopefully, so,
0: Probably, yeah. <laughs> but last time we said the same about Millwall and we lost. Want to spend the last ten minutes just speaking about the the cup runs uh, in general and whether they've been a help or a hindrance Tom it's a bit of a catch 22 isn't it because a lot of people are saying that the cup run I mean for example Gus Poyett used the cup to implement his sort of passing system in a game it was almost like a free pass perhaps um, it helped in that aspect it helped get the players confidence back up people are always going to look though and say oh you know the league games are building up now we use Wigan as an example from last season as a fan we obviously like to go to Wembley and stuff how do you view it
2: um, I think that, you know our cup successes this season have actually helped us in the league. Um, I'm afraid I'm not one of these people who think you can you can pick and choose your games because it's like it's almost an impossible task in football. I think obviously you know if if you're doing well and playing a lot of games, then you probably train less. I, I, you know, I don't think the the and staff and what have you daft. I think that you know the the physical work will be like a lot less than it would normally be. Um, plus the old cliche that they are finely tuned athletes. You know, you go. I remember Liverpool years ago when they used to dominate. I think they won the European Cup about three years out of five and played another finals. And they used to say that, that you know they would much rather. All their players used to say they'd much rather be playing games than, than training and stuff. And I think that uh, from our point of view, we've been lucky and as much as we haven't had, we haven't touched wood so far. We haven't had a lot of key players who have been injured through playing in cup games, which I think has made a big difference. But I think that uh, our cup successes have, have helped us this season. Me and go on forever with this argument because people say, you know, if you if you finish in the top seven and get into the Europa League, do you really want to be playing that many games a season? And they start quoting the examples of teams who've struggled um, after you know qualifying for the Europa League. So it, it it is a difficult one. We haven't got the biggest squad in the world, but definitely from a Sunderland point of view, this season uh, the cup successes have uh, have helped us in the league. Um, you know, we've still got a lot of work to do in the league, but at least we're in a position where. It is salvageable. Whereas you know, beginning of December, mid-December, it, it was almost a lost cause. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I think cup success is, is, is done well by in this season, and I, th- you know, for the rest of the season, I want us to keep going. You know, everybody had a fantastic weekend at Wembley. The club got brilliant publicity out of it, and I just think let's let's go
0: again if we can. The interesting thing, Gareth, about being in both cups still is that you know it, it's it's one popular theory that. Um, and it's often it's, it's normally proved that the sides who get to the league cup final their season sort of slumps afterwards. Now the fact that you're in the FA Cup that sort of gives the players extra incentive, doesn't it? They've been at Wembley once, sampled it, especially the players who weren't involved. Now fancy a bit of that? They're only one game from that again. It's not often clubs, certainly mid-table or near the bottom, have that little carrot, is it?
4: No, but do you think that players are going into games thinking oh don't really fancy going to Wembley. I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, like regardless of whether they've been before. I mean, you, you, do you know what I mean? I'm just thinking. Surely that's an incentive to play. Well, in that's what cup I'm saying. But not regardless. What I mean
0: is, often when people use the examples of these sides who won the League yeah. Cup or got the League Cup final and their seasons fell away, they didn't normally have the FA Cup to fall back on. That's what I'm saying. It's, yeah, a, po- yeah. it's a positive for the player, well, surely, isn't
4: it? I mean, it's got, it's a positive all round. I mean,
0: I mean, it's the next. It's the very next game for <laughs> for a start. Yeah, they're yeah. coming away disappointed and they're not like, oh God, it's back to the relegation battle now. It's the very next game they've got a chance to get back to Wembley.
4: Absolutely. Um that that is, should be an incentive anyway, but it's it I don't know, it's 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 been a weird one, hasn't it, with my my opinion um of the cup competitions is is almost changed um the, during the course of this season as a supporter. Because we've won on them, we've won the well, <laughs> but yeah, but but no, it made us sort of reevaluate. You know why? Why do you go? Why, you're a why do you fan, go to yeah. the game? Why do you, Why do you yeah. go? And you kind of get hoodwinked by this kind of like Premier League behemoth. It's like every week, it's like you got to stay in the Premier League. You have got to be in the Premier League, and you kind of get drawn into it. And then like you play in the cups, and Bruce is you know picking, you know, weekend teams, and um picking. Pick, I mean. I could be argued that Poiret at times has rested players, but that's purely because we've stayed in the cups and we've had, we've had to sort of give players rests, try new players, stuff like that. But you know, it's just weird. It's like I was thinking back and that's some of my favourite moments of going, of, of supporting Sunderland has been in cup competition when we went mm-hmm. to Birmingham and won two 0 in extra time. It was absolutely yeah. brilliant stuff like that. And you think, well, what am I going for? and it just feels all this season. It's like the Bardsley goal and the penalty win, penalty shootout win at Old Trafford, the goal on Saturday. I mean, in the whole weekend and everything, I'll, I'll never forget it. And you think, well, this is, that's why you're in it. And I, I just don't know if I can wait another 22 years to get another opportunity. So I hope they take it seriously on Sunday because I, I want, I want to go back.
0: It's yeah. a nail on the head, Gary, isn't it? Because I mean, as Gav's was just touching on there, we 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 sort of we get we get hypnotised by sort of financial stability and being a Premier League club year in year out almost, we've spent years striving to be to be a side stuck in mid-table mediocrity if you like yeah. now, and then we we came up in 2007 we kind of shook off the yo-yo tag we've stayed here ever since and I'm not going to say it gets boring because we're st- you know we still all passionate about it and we still all love it but it, it feels like Wembley the trip of Wembley was sort of a prize for everybody we needed it to bring everybody back together because I've not seen Sunderland fans on side for a while like that. The players haven't been connected to the fans for a while like that, and you, you feel like promotion seasons are the only time we sort of witness that kind of thing. So we needed it, I think.
3: Yeah, I mean, the thing for me was I, I don't buy into all this Premiership nonsense about being the all seen, all known. You know, it's the only thing that matters. Um, yeah it's, it is maybe it's for the football club in terms of needing the finances and, and what have you and we all know what happened when we got relegated that so many people lost their jobs and that was terrible but look Sunday that's why you, that's why you that's why you buy a ticket that's what that's why you go to see your first game that's why you know Sunday for 10 15 20 minutes before I'd be in the press box I was stood outside of Wembley with with me dad and me brother and my brother who's got like a kid who's like five or six months old just said I hope our Lucas is not 30 before he gets to do this with me that's what it's all about you you know I remember the two seven player finishes brilliant I remember bits and bobs about it what happened on Sunday I'll never forget until until I'm not here anymore you know what I mean Mm. and that's what it meant for Sunday
4: fans I remember remember when we got uh, we got beaten the FA Cup off Watford um, at home, yes, Tommy Smith got it was Smith Smith Tommy scored Smith scored a, like, re, yeah. like, a retaken penalty yeah. or something. And my dad was furious. And like even in cup, after like cup, because I've always been like, oh well done, just a cup, you know. We've got to do this because we have got the league game and all that. And like he, and now I know why. I mean, he was there in '73, and you know he wants to. He want. He was he always saying, well, I'll never, he'll never. Even if they did it, he'll never be like that again. That's what he always mm. says, and always like. Well, they'll not win another in my lifetime yeah. and stuff. And he always wants us to do well in the cups because he probably, you know, he wants to relive that that yeah, I moment.
2: Think it, I think it helps clubs. It, it reinvigorates clubs. I mean, that's a good example you've just quoted. And I mean, a couple of years ago, I remember we played Notts County at home under Steve Bruce, mm. and it was absolutely pathetic. And they're the other sort of games where fans go out to the ground, you know, the, there's the hardcore, the daft ones like us who will stay, cu- you know, no matter what. But they're the type of games that hack the, the, the ones who want to be convinced that there's something worth going to see hacks them off you know and like you say you, you, a mate of mine one of his best expressions ever is you can't buy your memories and like Gary's touched on there it affected everybody you know you walked up Wembley where there was like little kids five year old walking up there was people who you know theoretically shouldn't have been there you know probably ni- best part of 90 year old whole, whole families generations of families and they're the things you remember for the rest of your life I'm not saying it has to be the expense of, of the premiership Mm. But, um, I, I, you know, touching on before, I, I just think Cup success can just help everything to do with a football club. And from the players' point of view, hopefully some of those players who may be thinking of moving on during the close season, you know, you've got some decent players who are only on loan, the likes of Alonso and, and, and Barini. If, if we can stay in the Premiership, and they've had a couple of experiences of, of going to Wembley, you know, something that like most a lot of players don't do once in their lifetime, I think there's a, a lot to be said for it. I was, oh, oh,
4: sorry, I was just you know in, we talking about the Europa League's one that gets dismissed as well. I mean, people yeah. talk about the League Cup. You could try telling you know Sunderland Sports on Sunday that the League Cup's a secondary competition. It doesn't matter because I yeah. tell you what, some of those people, sports, so many people,
2: said that was one of the best weekends of my life. To me, it's to me. Uh, I'm not just saying it because it was you know. I mean, I hope we get the FA Cup final as well. But in many ways, the, the Capital Cup or the League Cup it is is a better competition because you get more tickets. Um, it, it is only league clubs everybody's got a chance um, you know in the FA Cup obviously you get a lot of non-league teams and stuff come into it but I don't want that I think a lot of this has been driven by the media who've de- you know decried the you know Rupert Murdoch and Sky he just wants all the emphasis on the Champions League I mean I, I get the Sunday Times on a, obviously on a Sunday and the whole coverage in there is just basically Man United Chelsea Arsenal Spurs and Liverpool and obviously on Sunday they had to give Sunday a half page mm with John O'Shea talking about the capital cup final and stuff but a lot of this is media driven and I think proper football fans should override this and I think you saw a little bit of it on, on, on Sunday where you just had sort of 30, 30, 32,000 people at the match and another 40,000
0: people in London out having a hell of a weekend Team selections are important as well though, Gareth because Tom's mentioned there that the media sort of put this League Cup thing to one side but this was the first cup that managers especially the top four sides or the top two or whatever they were then started I think Arsene Wenger used to, you know, drastically change mm. his side, mm. put a youth team out, didn't he? And then other clubs sort of followed suit. The FA Cups getting like that now as well. Mm. But initially, it was the League Cup, wasn't well, that's, it? That's because of the Champions yeah, League. Yeah, they've got Champions
3: they? Champions Leagues there. Go. What? But it, it, other, but fame, other
0: clubs it? sort of. Followed suit, didn't they? They yeah. thought, well, you know, in, in this day and age, you know, you've got a big squad, you are going to have to give our, yeah. our squad the ch- players the game. Champ- the Champions
2: League was bastardised by the likes of Silva, you know, Berlusconi and that, who wanted to do away with the knockout competition that it was, because that's what it was. It was the Champions League, the champions of every team in, you know, every league in Europe. Whereas now it's a, a knockout basis for, you know, some countries have up to, like, four teams competing in it. It's just a money-making racket, that's what
4: it is. People people talk about the devaluation of the League Cup, devaluation of the FA Cup, and it's interesting the media, talk about the media, they're the ones who say it's been devalued, and then in the next sentence they'll devalue it themselves, and then you've got, I mean, Champions League, top four get in. My, my, my opinion on this whole thing, I know it's slightly off-topic, but why don't they just say, right, top two get in the Champions League? third gets in the Europa League and the mm-hmm. cup winners get in the Europa League mm-hmm. and that's all you get. Mm-hmm. So there's the race for fourth doesn't matter. Cup and winner,
2: then cup winners cup competition had a lot better yeah, ring about it, it than the it Europa did.
4: League. And why don't they just why don't they do that and people re-, re put the finances from the cuz ch- people are buy it if the top teams are in it. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter what the competition is called or what it is. it'll still be competitive so mm-hmm. people will watch it. So top 2 go in the Champions League. Third place goes into the into the UEFA Cup Europa League whatever you okay. want to call it two cup winners go in and then people who are thinking well I'm not going to I might not finish th- fourth this season or third I'm going to have to field stronger teams in the League Cup and the FA Cup to get the money that's going to be available in the European competition mm-hmm. because I'm it's going to be more it's going to be more enticing to be in those yeah. than nothing at all
3: Yeah, and I completely agree even though it's my industry I completely agree about the, the media doing their part to devalue it but Look, you just have to walk around London on Saturday night, you just have to walk around Wembley on Sunday mm. exactly. and tell me that doesn't matter. You exactly.
4: And, and also, I mean, going back to Europa League, you keep seeing, I know people, that, you know, Pardue mourned about it, and, you know, it's funny that Swansea probably had their worst run of form when they were in the gap between the. the the Europe, where the Europa yeah. League gap where mm-hmm. there was no games, so the Thursday Sunday thing. I mean, you play Wednesday Saturday. You've got a better squad if you're in the Champions League, whatever, probably. Whatever, yeah. you play Thursday Sunday. I tell you what, I'd take finishing fifteenth and getting to the Europa League quarter final yeah. and playing. Yeah. I don't know who might you know Zenit Saint Petersburg. Yeah. Uh, you know one of the Milan sides are not doing as well. Play Inter Milan, Inter Milan yeah. at the stadium. like in the quarter fans, Europa League, you get beat. I tell you what, that. You'd remember if you competed like we did at the weekend. You'd yeah. remember it, and yeah. people will get the opportunity to go out there and see a game. Yeah, and I mean, they'll, I'll they'll never forget it. We've had two European ties in the club's history.
3: I think yeah. I'm, I think me and Tom's probably about the same sort of like age group that we remember eighty five, mm. we remember ninety, both probably there. Mm and we yeah. never turned up the thing about Sundays, yeah. we actually turned up. up we we, we deserved you, yeah. you couldn't have said if they'd come away 1-0 or 2-0 winners yeah. on Sunday yeah. there's not a person in that stadium or a person who watched that game couldn't say it wasn't deserved and, and and the other twice you know the fans turned up the players didn't unfortunately Sunday everybody turned up and, and that's what made it special yeah, and, yeah. And, and whatever they say in the papers whatever Man United or Chelsea or the Champions League fellas or whoever Feel about you know the Capital One Cup. You just go there on Sunday and just tell me it didn't yeah. matter. Yeah.
2: You've, you've just got to like listen to what your mates are telling you. You've got to go on the message boards and see. I mean, I know a lot of hardcore lads who were pretty unemotional as well who said that's the best Sunday weekend of their lives. Yeah, you yeah. know, and that's that, that's, of that's, that that's like. like lads in the twenties and, and and guys in their early sixties and stuff. You know, it's like it was a fantastic weekend for for a lot of reasons. But one of the main ones, as Gary's touched on, is the fact that the team played mm-hmm. well. They actually turned up. Football fans aren't stupid, you know. We realise that they're probably the richest club in the world, Man City, and they, you know, it was a couple of moments of quality that changed it. But we honestly could have won that game.
0: I think something that sums it all up is when you speak to Middlesbrough fans and they tell you what one of their favourite seasons was supporting Middlesbrough, yeah. and they go back to the 96 97 season yeah. where they got to the two cup finals and they got relegated that season. Uh-huh. But I think because they are connected with those players, Juninho's, Ravanellis, yeah. they think back to that fondly. Now, Mm. They got relegated that season, but that just sums up the logic of a football fan. Yeah, the,
4: the, I think it's a, the, the similar to Poyard's side. The, the, the team had an identity on the pitch, like you say Emerson, Janino, Ravinelli. They got conceded a lot of goals, but they scored a lot of goals. They went and played at Old Trafford and give them a game and stuff. Mm-hmm. And those Borough fans will. I mean, you used to cover Borough, Borough didn't you? Yeah, Gary? I
3: covered Borough for three years. Um, but the thing, the thing is, Sullivan fans, you know, I think by and large you support something 'cause because that's where you're born or, or you're born in and around there, your dad support them yeah. or whatever and when you when you get your first red and white top and your dad puts it on you and you go out in the back lane you don't dream of being 7th in the Premier no. League you don't dream yeah. about f- being 5th yeah. fif- you dream about winning the FA Cup you dream about winning the, you know, getting into your uh, yeah. you, know, yeah. you, you don't buy a ticket to go and watch and to say no. oh, we're in the Premier League next year you go there to watch your team, support your team, and hope they're going to win something. Yeah. We had a chance on Sunday; and we we almost did it. Yeah,
2: it's good for good with the kids as well because the kids are, you know, they're influenced by what they see on television, what they what they hear in you know, in the classrooms and stuff. Sunderland were at Wembley; they were in a major yeah. final. You know, they were all going out buying the kit. I mean, that's what you know. Gary's saying again that it's one of the beauties of, of living in Sunderland. You know, it's one of the few places, for example, without a, an official Man United supporters branch. Um, you get the odd kid running around in a Chelsea or Liverpool strip, but most people follow Sunderland. And there's, there's a lot. As we've always said, you know we're getting forty thousand average gates at the moment with like one trophy won since nineteen thirty-seven. So just that that weekend, anybody walking around London last weekend must have thought, Good God! Can you imagine if they give these people a little bit of success?
4: You often find with the kids as well. who are young up here who are supporting Chelsea or Man U or Arsenal or whatever. Eventually. They'll get turned yeah. to a Sunderland fans. It always happens. You see them like eight, nine-year-old kids, and yeah. then then they go to the game. And also, like you were saying, you know, there's kids in there. Hope he doesn't have to wait till Easter. You see the game. There was a few there. I Just felt like going up to them yeah. and saying enjoy, enjoy it because time. you don't know when it's going to happen again. And I'm more nervous. It'll happen. We win on Sunday. I'm more nervous about, yeah, Sunday. More nervous happen, about yeah. Sunday now just because I want to go back. Yeah, think right.
0: A lot of people feel the same way. Yeah, yeah let's hope so. Right, Okay. Now, as some of you are probably aware, Fabio Barini kindly donated his Sunderland jersey from the game to football fans who are helping out Anthony Nolan, which is a blood cancer charity. The shirt will now be auctioned off with the proceeds set to go to the organisation, which helps match up blood and bone marrow donors with those needing life-saving transplants. You can bid for Barini's shirt if you've got a few, Bob. Um, You just need to tweet at Barrow for Marrow or search for Barrow for Marrow on Facebook but I think that's a very kind gesture from somebody who who's now all in all of our hearts for the rest of our lives I think yeah, saying me that, like,
4: if I was saying to me before the game I was like a poet wins this he's going to you'll, you'll have a trophy next to Stoke will in a few yeah, years yeah, and same with, with Barini I thought that, you know a bit of a modern generation thing Statue but alone. of Marini will be standing yeah. on the, same yeah, t- yeah, <laughs> the fence on St James yeah park yeah I doing that fries, yeah. but um,
0: <laughs> that's going to be the stadium in
4: years a sign coming. of the game now that alone, alone player could have been our hero yeah, yeah. but yeah that's uh, it would have been unbelievable but you know wasn't it? be okay. maybe in the FA Cup
0: ok I'd like to thank my guests for coming on Tom Lynn thank you Gary Foster Cheers. and Gareth as always ok so to Wembley hopefully we'll talk about Wembley again uh, another trip to Wembley <laughs> next week we can do this Sunday I'm sure we can thanks for listening over and out